Let's start the main message with prayer. Father, as we open our Bibles now, as we get our scriptures out, we know that it's not in us to understand these things fully or maybe even minimally. We know that it's only through your help, through the Holy Spirit and his intervention now, that our minds can be open to take in what you're going to teach us. So we pray that we be ready to listen and learn and to take to heart your truths from your word because they're going to be helpful to us today. So we thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I had mentioned earlier uh, just a lot of comments, uh, words of encouragement that I've gotten from people over the past week. My wife has too. And uh, they've been very well received and very much appreciated. One, one compliment, though, I received that so someone said to me, and I know that they said it in, in a, a good attitude and trying to be helpful, but uh, a person commented to me at, at one point in time that made me stop and think. He said to me, <clears throat> I admire your faith. Now, whatever faith I have is not something I feel comfortable being admired for as if it was something that I personally developed in my life. I didn't. I didn't. And none of us did. Faith is something we as Christians are given as a gift by Jesus. I want you to understand that. I believe that our faith is increased, especially in time of need. And that's the title of the sermon today, Faith in Time of Need. And I think that you're going to find this to be true in your life as well. Our faith is increased, especially in our personal time of need, when we must endure a difficult trial or when doubt arises in our minds. Faith is not something that we personally develop. We don't find it or come up with it someplace so that we can pat ourselves on the back and claim to be people of great faith. The only faith that we have is the faith that has been given to us by Jesus himself. I'd like you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. This is known throughout the Bible as the faith chapter. Because in this chapter, the writer of Hebrews mentions, he goes through the entire Old Testament and mentions all of the great examples of faith that we read about in that history. And he mentions everybody from Enoch to Noah to Abraham uh, and so on and so forth. All of the great patriarchs of the Old Testament and talks about the things that they did in faith. But here is a, a definition of faith. It tells us exactly what faith is. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. It says this, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's what faith is. And in other translations, it's called confidence in things not seen. In other words, we read in the Bible about truths, about God. God teaches us what it's all about. He teaches us who he is, who his son Jesus Christ is, and so on and so forth. We're told that this earth, the whole universe, was created by God. Now, we have no way of proving that, do we? We accept it on faith because it's God's word. We believe it, okay? Just the ability to believe that is a gift from God. Now, I was 
uh, in bed, I don't know, I think it was last night, listening to a radio show. And this person was talking, and they, he was talking about things of God, saying that he didn't believe them because he has not proven them. There's no way to prove them, okay? And I agree with him. <laughs> There's no way to prove them. You take it on faith. You, you believe God's word, okay? So faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Especially in the time of trouble in your life when things have been turned upside down and they're not going according to your personal plan for happiness. For example, the trial that my wife and I and our daughters went through with the loss of our son. We believe, we have faith that he is now with God. Why? Because God's word says so. Do we have any way of proving that? Well, no. Outside of God's word, we don't. You know, my wife and I were talking, and, and I said, it'd be nice to hear from Steve, for him to somehow say, hey, I'm, I'm okay. I'm with the Lord right now. Everything is wonderful. But we don't get a message like that. Because if we got messages like that, we wouldn't need faith, would we? We know so little about the other side after this life is over and what happens to us. We get glimpses here, we get glimpses there, but we have God's word. We have Jesus' word on it, what happens to us when we die. And he says, I'm giving you faith to believe that. Can you prove it? Can you get out facts and figures and measurements and somehow prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that that's what has happened to your loved one? No, because if you could, there would be no need for faith. So God wants us to have faith, and especially in bad times, because our faith is not just a fair weather faith that is there somewhere under the surface someplace. You know, when things are fine and you're going along day to day, if someone were to ask you, do you have faith? Well, yeah, I think I, think I do. I, you know, I, I believe it's, it's there within me, faith. But it's another matter when things go bad. Because this faith is what supports us and sustains us when crisis appears out of nowhere in our lives. Then it's really a test, okay? Okay, do you believe, do you believe what you've read in the Bible? Do you believe in God's word? You know, when things are fine, we just kind of assume it. We just kind of accept it, go along with it. But when trials happen in our lives, all of a sudden it becomes a test because you can get very depressed. You can get very discouraged and you need to count on those promises from God. You need to count on God's word and it's a test now. Do you really believe it? Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Having faith in God doesn't mean that no trials are going to come along in your life. The faith that you have in God, that, that God gives you, is what supports you in time of trials. It's what strengthens you in time of trials, and it's not something you've discovered or built up in your life over the years. It's a gift from God, faith is. It's the very faith of Jesus Christ that he instills in each of us. 
Peter says in 1 Peter 4, verse 12, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. Yeah, we're often surprised. We're shocked. We're, we're depressed and discouraged. He says, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you because these sorts of things happen to everybody, non-Christians and Christians alike. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So bad things, not so great things happen to everybody, including Christians. But you see, the difference is we have faith. Jesus has given us his faith he has instilled that in us so it can help us cope. It can help us endure when these tough times come. It's the faith that we just assume is there during the good times because we don't have to draw on it. But when bad times hit, when shocking things happen in your life, all of a sudden you reach out for that faith. And I think at a time like that, God increases your faith. Turning back to Hebrews 11 now, how important is faith in the life of a Christian? It is vitally important. So much so that the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So faith is what it's all about. God instills faith in us. And he allows us to go through trials from time to time to remind us and to show God that that faith truly is there. And at a time like that, we're to draw on that faith. He says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he, God, exists and that he, God, rewards those who earnestly seek him. So our journey through this Christian life is a journey of faith. How do we get the faith? God instills it in us. And we draw upon that faith, especially when we're going through difficult times in our life. And it reminds us that God exists, first of all, that his promises are sure. And every aspect of what God teaches us including our eternal reward that awaits us because we are disciples of Jesus Christ. We count upon those things. And in our lives, even when it comes to our last, our last breath, we may be lying in a nursing home, we may be lying in a hospital someplace, knowing with assurance that if I don't make it through now, my next step, my next experience is going to be in the presence of God. And that's all about faith. Do you really believe it? And like I said, a lot of people, even Christians, kind of coast through their uh, Christian life when things are going real well and they're never challenged in their faith. But when bad things happen, all of a sudden, we better find out if that faith is there. And it is, it should be, because God gave it to us. Let's turn now to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And be reminded exactly where our faith comes from. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 8. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. Okay, so God's work 
has been done through Jesus Christ on the cross. He has paid the penalty for our sins. Now comes our faith, our belief in it, our confidence in it, our assurance in the fact that he has died to pay our death penalty. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, talking about the faith, this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. So faith, not only salvation, but the faith to believe it and to be assured of it is a gift from God as well. Not by works so that no one can boast. So faith is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. And uh, it's not something that we have to work up or, 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 or build somehow. And you know, one of the worst things I've ever experienced in my years as a, a minister is to hear <clears throat> one Christian criticize another Christian, supposedly for having a lack of faith. I think that is one of the most self-righteous things that a person can say to another person. Well, these things are happening to you, you see, because you don't have enough faith. How dare you make a comment like that? When I hear one Christian say that to another Christian, I want to grab them around the throat. Faith is something that God gives to each and every one of us. And you know what? Even though you have faith, going through trials in your life is a struggle. It's not easy. I feel that God has given Mary and I our allotted amount of faith. And especially during this, this terrible trial we're going through, he has increased that amount of faith. And that's by the goodness of God that he has done that. We should never, you know, feel that our faith is stronger than anybody else's and then criticize them for that. What a terrible thing to do. So, so never question somebody else's faith. Never criticize somebody else's supposed lack of faith. Don't ever do that. You know, faith is something that has been given to us by God, and he is the one who increases it when necessary. The natural man or woman has no believing ability within themselves. The only reason you believe that God exists and that you believe Jesus died for your sins is because God has given you that ability to believe that. He has instilled that faith in you. The natural man or woman does not have faith by themselves. They cannot muster up faith by themselves. Faith is something that God gives to us. We all receive a share of it when we accept Jesus as our Savior. It is the faith of Jesus, the very faith that he has in the Father. You know, when he was on earth, he had faith in the Father. He prayed to the Father. He believed that the Father would be there for him, and he was. So it's that very faith that Jesus had in his Father that he now instills in us to help us. And that's an automatic gift that he gives to us. And like I said, he increases it in time of need. He knows how much faith that we're going to need. Remember that one story where Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Remember that? Satan had asked Jesus permission to just really let Peter have it and give him one of the most difficult trials he could possibly deal with, maybe even take his life. And Jesus said to Peter, I prayed 
for your faith. I prayed for your faith. And I know that Jesus does the same thing for each and every one of us. It's, it's one thing when everything is fine and you're going through your Christian life day after day and, you know, smelling the flowers and, and, and just enjoying life. But when crisis time comes, Jesus is there to pray for our faith, to help us to endure. You know, he is our intermediary between ourselves and the Father. And that's one of the things that he does for us. He's totally aware of what's going on in our lives at all times. And when he sees crisis approaching, he is there praying to the Father for our faith to be increased. Romans 10 tells us something that we can do and we should do. And we all have done, but we must continue to do it. Romans 10 and verse 17 talks about faith in this manner. Paul says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So our faith is strengthened when we come to church and hear God's word preached. Our faith is strengthened when we're sitting at home reading our Bibles and we're reading God's word. Our faith is increased when we hear an inspiring sermon we may be listening to online or on the radio or wherever the case may be. So our faith is strengthened by hearing the message. And most of us have been around long enough (laughs) to have heard a lot of messages about God's word. We've heard God's word preached time after time after time after time. In fact, probably for most of us, there's not a subject in the Bible that we haven't heard preached on. But when our faith is challenged, when our world is turned upside down, we tend to have doubts. We, we tend to panic. For example, when we went through this situation with our son, immediately we thought, well, he's with God now. And, you know, Satan puts doubts in your minds. Do you really believe that? Is that really a reality? I mean, you can't prove that. There's nothing you could look to or see that is going to prove that beyond the shadow of a doubt, except for God's word. I thought to myself, how many sermons have I given? How many sermons have I heard on life after death? That you don't just get put in a grave, that your spirit goes someplace else, okay? It was Jesus who told the thief on the cross, Today, you will be with me in paradise. Today. You're not going to a grave to sleep for a thousand years. Today, you're going to be in paradise. And remember, just before Jesus died, what did he say to the Father? Father, I commend my spirit to you. His body was going to go into the grave, but he also has a spirit that was going to go right to God. And you see, it was scriptures like that, and it was memories of sermons that I've heard over the years that really encouraged me and bolstered me. Because at those crucial times, Satan is there to put doubts in your minds, too. So faith comes by the hearing of the word. We've all been around long enough to have heard the word preached countless times. Remember those scriptures. Depend on those scriptures. Have faith in God. 
He has given you that faith to believe in him. Don't let the, the, the uh, enemy insert doubts in your mind. So that's why it's important for us to come to church. That's why it's important for us to be reading our Bible, studying our Bible, because faith is increased by hearing the message about Jesus, who he is, the Son of God, and who we are through him, we are beloved children of God. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. This thing about our faith increasing in times of need, I think is very real. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Paul is talking to the church at Thessalonica, and they were going through severe trials. And he points out here in the scripture that God was enlarging their portion of faith to deal with, to cope with the trials and the persecution that they were going through at this time. Verse 3, he says, We ought always to thank God for you, church members in Thessalonica, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. So your faith is growing. And how is that happening? Because God is increasing their amount of faith in time of need. And he does that. I can speak to you from experience. And some of you could tell me from your experience that God does that. Sometimes when, when trial and, and, and tribulation crash around your head, you think to yourself, how am I ever going to get through this? God says, I'm going to increase your faith. I'm going to increase your confidence. I'm going to increase your trust in me. And that's how we're going to endure it. That's how we're going to endure it. You know, when, when I was younger and we were uh, married, uh, years ago and started having children, <clears throat> I always thought to myself, the worst thing that could happen in my life is to lose one of my kids. I, I didn't even want to think about it because I could not imagine enduring something like that. And there was a time when I wanted to pray to God, God, you can do anything, but please, I don't want to lose any of my kids. because I didn't think that I could survive it. But you know what? God is increasing our faith and he is giving us the ability to endure. Something that I never thought was possible. But his promise is sure. This faith is a real thing. And you may think that you don't have the faith to endure something and you know what? You're right, you don't. But God increases our faith in time of need. He's very aware of how we feel. He is very aware of what we're going through all the time. And he is there for us. And he's not going to forsake us. He's not going to forget about us. He's not going to ask us to do something we're personally incapable of doing. He will supply the things that we need. And sometimes you don't believe that until you're actually in the mix of it. And you know what? It's still not easy. It isn't. It's, it's hard. 
It's very hard. And you have good days and bad days. You have good hours and bad hours, uh, sleepless nights, the whole, the whole deal. But he doesn't say everything is going to be rosy. He says, you're going to endure it with my help. Let's turn to one last scripture in James. And you know, I, I have taught, I have preached about trials for 40 years now. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't ring totally true until you go through it yourself. And I can think of many times I've tried to help people go through trials and preach from the Bible and preach principle, principles of God's word, and that's what God wanted me to do. But there came a time in our lives now where we have to learn it firsthand. And I'll tell you, it's true. All those things that God inspired me to preach over the years, it's true. It really is. James 1, beginning in verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. So it's one thing that for God to give you faith, which he does. When you become a Christian, you are given an allotment of the faith of Jesus Christ. The same faith that he has in his Father has now been instilled in us. But as time goes by, God wants to test that faith. He wants you to make sure you know that it's really there. He wants you to know that it's something you need to count on going through difficult times. And he wants to prove to you that when you're going through those difficult times, he's going to increase it accordingly to meet your needs. Okay? So there's a testing of your faith. It's there. We're not aware of it from day to day. But sometimes when trials hit, all of a sudden we become very aware of it and our desperate need for it. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So it's difficult to have your faith tested. It hurts to have your faith tested. It's a little scary sometimes to have your faith tested. But notice he concludes in verse 12. And this is something we all go through in our Christian lives. Our, our faith is going to be tested. And finally, the conclusion in verse 12, he said, Blessed is the man or woman who perseveres under trial. Because when he or she has stood the test, he or she will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So here, God's increasing our faith again. And he's saying, okay, you're going through tough times now. Look ahead. Keep your eyes on the future because you are going to receive that crown of life that God has promised. It's not iffy. It's not, well, if I just match up or if I'm just good enough somehow. No. Your salvation is not based on your goodness. It's based on God's grace. The crown of righteousness is there waiting for you. The crown of life, it's there waiting for you, and God has promised it to you because you love God. So blessed is the man or woman who perseveres under trial. You can't do it on your own, but with God's help, you will do it because he is increasing your faith in time of need. 
And when you have stood the test, and it doesn't say you're just going to have one test, over the course of your Christian life, there are going to be different tests that come along. But if you endure by the the strength and the grace of God, you will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So you know what? Our outlook, my wife and I, has shifted greatly to the future. (laughs) You know, for a long time, it was on the past. As we get older, we're thinking about the past a lot and memories and friends and songs from the past, as I'm sure many of you had. And there's also a focus on the, on the present because we're still minister, in ministry and still uh, planning and doing things for the present. But like I said, our focus has shifted greatly to the future now, to the time that uh, we're going to see our loved ones again and uh, the time when we are going to receive our crown of life, our crown of righteousness that God has promised to us. And I'll tell you, those promises are very real to us now. They always have been, but even more so now. So let me encourage you with these words, okay? We're all going to endure trials and testing in this life. But just rest assured that at the crucial moment, God is going to provide what you need. He's going to increase your faith. Faith originally came from him. We couldn't believe or, or count on God by ourselves. He has got to provide that ability for us, and he has, when we accepted Jesus as our Savior. But it's not a one-and-done thing. God's monitoring of our faith goes on throughout our life, day by day. And he knows when we're going to need extra amounts of it, and he's there to provide it for us, promising us that we will endure. It's not going to be easy. It's going to hurt. It's going to be downright painful sometimes. But it's a matter of endurance remaining faithful to God because he's remaining faithful to us and we will receive our reward. We have God's word on it. That's a matter of faith. Okay, we're going to have our communion service. So uh, as uh, we offer the prayer, we'll ask you to come forward as you normally do and looks like uh, Kathy will be assisting us. So uh, we're coming to this table in faith. We know that Jesus Christ is here and he's going to meet us. As we take the elements, the bread, which represents his broken body, which he sacrificed for us on the cross, that sacrifice on his part led to our salvation. And if we have accepted Jesus as our savior, our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, and our reward awaits us. And as we take also the fruit of the vine, it reminds us of Jesus Christ's shed blood. So his broken body and shed blood are all a part of the one sacrifice that he performed for our benefit. He didn't need to do it for himself because he was without sin. He did it for each and every one of us. So we could become the children of God, not just in this life, but for all eternity. And that relationship with God is something that is going to grow and we're going to enjoy forever. So uh, we just say that those who have faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior, we welcome you to come forward to the table. Lord, we ask your blessing now on these elements that we've prepared. And as we come to this table to meet you here, we know that you're going to minister to us in a special way. And let the sacrifice of Jesus Christ become even more real to us today as we take these elements And we realize all that you've given us, not only salvation and forgiveness, 
but faith. Faith to believe all these. Faith to believe till our, die, till our dying day and even beyond. So we love you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As the music starts now, please come forward.